Let me also say good morning to those watching online and those watching in the chapel. So glad you guys are joining with us. For those who I do not know, my name is Nick, and I get the privilege of being one of the pastors here at New Vision, and I'm always excited about the opportunity to open up God's Word and to see a better way to live. And I hope that you will be open to whatever it is the Lord has for us today, because He has something. And last week was truly Truly amazing as we got to see the goodness of God, not only through the message, but also through 15 lives walking through the waters of baptism. It was pretty exciting last week. And so earlier this week, I found myself in Atlanta. I had a friend who passed away. And so I went back to Atlanta to celebrate a life well lived. And I went back to the church that I worked at for 10 years, really the church I kind of grew up in, in ministry. And I got to see some old friends and it was good to be there, to be reunited, even though it was there for a sad occasion, it was good to celebrate the life of our friend really, really well. While I was there, I saw an old friend of mine who's the director of missions at my old church, and it reminded me of a story. I got to go to Haiti with her, my pastor, and a couple of other of our staff members some years ago, and I loved going to Haiti. It was an amazing. We saw God do some amazing things. But I remember sitting in the lobby of our hotel in Haiti. I was drinking a real Sprite in a glass bottle. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all are judging me. You're like, aren't you diabetic? Get off me. I have insulin, all right? <laughs> so I was sitting in the lobby in Haiti drinking the best Sprite I've ever tasted in my life, and my friend had her phone in her hand, but all of a sudden, I guess she forgot that the phone was in her hand, and she went, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I think I left my phone in the airport. And me and my pastor were looking at her like she's crazy. She's like, I don't know where it is. I'm going to have to call somebody. I'm going to have to see if they found it at the airport. So she starts looking in her purse. She looks under her chair. She's looking everywhere. And my pastor looks at her and goes, it's in your hand. And she goes, what? She's like, oh, that's such a relief. I didn't know where it was. Basically, my pastor said to her, bless your heart. Now, if you don't know, if you haven't been in church circles in a while, maybe you're new to what it looks like, really, bless your heart, it's Christian for saying you're not right in the head, okay? <laughs> it is. We try to clean it up, but really, we're talking about you. We're not encouraging you. And so we were right there. You might be thinking to yourself, how could she forget that her phone was in her hand so quickly? And I would dare say it's the same way that we, as the people of God, Forget how God has moved timeless times again and again and again. And what we're going to see today is that the nation of Israel still had the mist from the Red Sea on their face, but yet they forgot how God moved and worked. And we're going to see today that we have been called to remember well so that we can worship well and that we can walk well and we can live well, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
When we talk about worship, I'm not just talking about the songs we sing before the message. What I'm talking about is a lifestyle and a posture of remembering who God is and what God has done and for us to live in response to that. The worship pastor at Gateway Church in Texas says it this way. The word worship comes from the old English word worship, which means to give worth to something. When we worship God, we attribute worth or value to him. Worship always communicates something. Over the course of today, we are going to explore that to remember well is to worship well. My prayer for us over the next few moments is that we can be a people that are reminded of what is true and walk differently in light of it. So right where you are, either online or in this place, let us pray together. Dear Jesus, may we be a people that are reminded of what is true. God, we don't understand it all, and there's so much we do not know. But my prayer for us in the next few moments is that you will open up our ears and our hearts that you will bind distractions so that we can lean in to hear a word from you. Not a word from a communicator who is imperfect, but a word from the king. And so, Father, may we be a people that not just be hearers of your word today, but we live differently in light of your word. And may we be a people that remember what is true, no matter the circumstances, no matter the valley, no matter what obstacle is before us. May we be a people that remember well. So, Father, be about the business of reminding us in this place. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you. And, Lord, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. So the Israelites, they have just walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. And God is leading them towards their promised land, the land that he promised to them, the land that he said he was going to bring them to. And he has shown over and over and over again that he does what he says he is going to do. But yet the Israelites find themselves in a precarious position. Is God really going to continue to do what he says he's going to do? And we're going to see through the lens of scripture that he does, even though... The nation of Israel is a forgetful people. God's going to continue to remind them of what is true. So Exodus chapter 15, we're going to begin in verse number 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. This is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? Can we pause right here for just a second? Three days. These people have just walked through on dry ground, and three days later, what are they doing? They're arguing and complaining. God, did you bring us out here to die of thirst? Can I just tell you, as I read this, I'm so glad I was not Moses. Scripture would have read differently. You know what? Stay out here and die. Fine. Let's just be real. You can have them, Lord. I'll be drinking my water. I know that you will satisfy. Leave these people here. But we will see that God meets this forgetful people. He meets them in the midst of their forgetfulness, and he continues to remind him of why he is on his throne. Verse 25. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. 
Then the Lord issued a ruling and an instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Let us be a people that are quick to remember and slow to forget. Let me say that again slowly in case you forgot what I just said. Let us be a people that are quick to remember and slow to forget. See, the nation of Israel was having a memory problem. Just three days prior, God had done something amazing. The days before that, he had called diseases and protected them from them. He had loosened the shackles of slavery. But yet here they are, and they have forgotten. They were quick to forget. And as I look at the nation of Israel, I'm quick to throw judgment. But let's be honest. The more I look at the nation of Israel, the more I see myself reflected in the mirror. And I don't like that. And I think back to when me and my wife first got married. We were married for two months, and we inherited a teenager. At the time, I was a middle school pastor. My wife was student teaching, which means she didn't get paid for the work she was doing. And my, this middle schooler, my little brother that we inherited, always wanted to eat. And I remember there were times where I'm like, now listen, Lord, I'm looking at the bank account. I'm looking at what's supposed to come out, and I just don't know. God, what are you doing? Lord, we were obedient. We did what we were supposed to do. And you would be amazed at how many different ways that God answered prayers that we didn't even pray about. There'd be so many times when we would walk to the mailbox or I would get a note in my mailbox at work, and there would be a note that just said, God told me to give this to you. And it was right on time, time and time again. But yet I was quick to forget how God had moved. Depending on the circumstance, I would go, God, where are you now? What are you doing? And God's like, Nick, just remember I have come through before. I'm still able to come through. And don't forget that I've answered your number one need through the person of my son, Jesus. And as I think about that, this just reveals the Israelite shows us that our biggest problem is within us, not outside of us. Let's be real. God can answer every need and circumstance that you have, and we still would find a reason to complain. It is not the circumstance that's the problem. It's something within us. Clement of Rome says it this way. After this... The Red Sea crossing, Moses, by the command of God, whose providence is over all, led, a, led out the people of the Hebrews into the wilderness, that he might root out the evils which had clung to them by a long-continued familiarity with the customs of the Egyptians. Here's how I would put that in my own words. God was not only freeing the Israelites from the shackles on the outside, but also loosening the chains of oppression within them. Exodus 16, verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin. This desert's going to live up to its name, y'all. Which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month, after they had come out of Egypt in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt... 
There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Listen, y'all, I'm going to tell y'all right now, if I'm Moses, I'm kicking somebody. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is a response. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Look at God's response. In the midst of disobedience and grumbling, what does God do? He sprinkles grace on it. And here's something we all need to understand. God's grace is not contingent on your behavior. Sometimes we think that. Sometimes we're like, well, God, if I'm good enough, you'll give me grace. Listen, he was offering you grace before you even knew that you had a problem. It goes on to say this. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Verse 6. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? That you should grumble against us, Moses also said. You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Okay, let's be honest, everybody. This reminds me of my kids. If those parents in the room, y'all know how I'm feeling right now? Like, let me, just to let you know. So my kids, my wife is so good, she'll make them a meal, right? She'll do something crazy like make chicken tenders. And I'll call the kids to eat. Come, kids, come and eat a meal that you had no money that you put in on and you do nothing, but come and eat this food that we so graciously prepared for you. And my kids, because they're busy doing something really important that they were doing, they take a while to get there. Y'all feel me right now? And so they eventually come to the table to partake with a glad and thankful heart about what you provided for them. And we put the chicken tenders on the table, and then this is the response. What is this? Which is very similar to the nation of Israel, because manna means, what is it? And so even though God door dashed a meal to the nation of Israel, they're going to go, what is it? And our kids will do this too. What is it? And as a parent, you have to take, I, I just think the Lord uses this to show us where we really are in our sanctification process. And y'all, I am not passing right now. And so we'll say that and be like, hey, it's chicken tenders. They're like, I don't like chicken tenders today. And then you start talking to the Lord, Lord, help us. And here's the thing. Like, I want to point my finger at my kids, but here's what is true of me. They reveal my own heart. How many times has God come through and God done something 
I don't like the way he answers it or his time is not my time. And I go, ah. And here's what's also interesting about this to me. The time it took to complain about it was the same time it would have took to pray about it. See, we have to be a people that remember to pray and not to complain. See, the nation of Israel could have very easily said, hey, God, we're hungry. Hey, God, we're thirsty. Hey, God, we've seen you come through time and time again. Our feet have walked the path on dry ground through a sea, and we have seen you move. But, God, we are just asking that you will move yet again. God, we're asking that you will show up yet again. Again, that is not the posture of the Israelites, and typically that's not the posture of the people of God either. We have to remember to pray and not to complain. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, this is a letter written to the church in Philippi from the Apostle Paul. He says this, do everything without grumbling or arguing. All right, I'm going to ask y'all a question. I think you're going to get this right. What is included in everything? You guys are so smart. You passed. Good job. Some of y'all are like, I think the answer is Jesus, but I think it's everything too. (laughs) Do everything without arguing and complaining. It doesn't matter the circumstances. It doesn't matter the year on the calendar. God has invited us to trust him and to do everything without grumbling or arguing. It does not say, hey, if something doesn't go the way you want or you don't like it, immediately go to Facebook and tell everyone your opinions and your thoughts. Now, I know y'all don't do that. But it says do everything without grumbling or complaining. It says basically this, remember well. Do not pick up grumbling and complaining as your response, but remember to fix your eyes on the king and remember well how the king has moved and just have a different posture. Verse 15, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. In the words of Martin Luther King, who put it this way, we have been invited to be the thermostat that sets the tone and the temperature instead of being a thermometer which records the temperature of the world. That is the invitation from us. And here's the thing. As we do that without arguing and complaining, we shine like stars. We shine bright because we are reflecting the king. Here's a question you need to ask yourself and wrestle with. Is your first reaction to trouble, faith-filled prayer, or grumbling and anxiety? You don't have to answer that out loud. But what's your first response? Last week, I invited you guys to write your top 10 list of what God has done and how he has come through. I'm going to ask for y'all to come now and put place those lists on the steps. I'm just kidding. But here's the thing. Why would I ask you to do that? Because we are a forgetful people. We have to remember well. And God has given us plenty of opportunities and plenty of ways he has come through to remember So that when another circumstance comes, because another circumstance will come, we can remember well. Exodus chapter 16, verse 19 says this. Then Moses said to them, 
No one is to keep any of it until morning. Talking about the food that God provides every day. Verse 20. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. There was something stanky in the tent, y'all. So Moses was angry with them. I feel like that's the understatement of all understatements. Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning. As Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord, also known as a day of remembrance. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions. Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Here is a truth. Forgetfulness leads to stanky living. Let me say it again. You're like, was that really a point? Yes, it was. Let me say it again. Forgetfulness Leads to stanky living. Maybe you're not familiar with the term stanky. We use it a lot in my house, okay? Now, there's different ways that this word stanky is living. The first way is maybe you're in the car, you're listening to Off the Wall, and Rock With You comes on, and your face gets all stanky. You're like, woo! Just, just that song is just, mm, all the things. The second stanky is when you eat something that slaps you twice. You know what I'm talking about? Where you, the rib just falls off the bone and you're like, praise the lamb, he is risen indeed, right? And your face is just like, yes. And you might be going, Nick, you have a food problem. I do, I love it, y'all. Bring it on. But the third way of what I'm talking about is this what I'm referring to. The forgetfulness leads to stanky living. I want you to think, eighth grade boy forgot to put on deodorant, went outside and played until his heart content. He walks in your house and the smell emitting from his body just punches you in the face. And it makes you mad. You know what I mean? When you smell smell, you're like, I'm mad at you. You should be ashamed of yourself. This is what is coming from the tent of the Israelites who had forgotten that God was a God who provides and saves. This is what is happening because their life is not living in response to God's goodness. They had forgotten. And when you forget, you can't help but to live a stinky life. But I'll say it this way. Remembrance and to remember well leads to an aromatic life reflective of the king. When we as a people remember well and remember what God has done, when we shine bright in a crooked and depraved generation, there is an aroma that comes off of our life that people can't help but pay attention to, but in a positive way. They're like, you know what? I don't know what that is, but I want some of that. I was having some time with the Lord, and I was reading in 2 Corinthians, and I may have read this verse before, but I don't remember it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says this, but thanks be to God. 
who always leads us as a captives in Christ's triumphal possession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. I love what Paul says. He says, to those around you, maybe those who know the king and those who don't know the king, our lives, as we walk in sync with the king, give off the aroma of the king. It's like chocolate chip cookies, y'all. It's like smelling chocolate chip cookies baking, and you can't help but try to find the source, right? You're like, listen, somebody made some cookies, I'm in. And everything about it just draws you in. What Paul is saying is when we live a life of remembrance and we remember well, it's like the aroma of the king coming off of our lives, and people want to know why and what is it. As we saw these four baptisms today, people in Boston, People in Oregon are going, what is that smell? It's the king. It draws people in when we remember, well, listen, this is a better way to live, everybody. If I was to ask you, do you want to have the aroma of Jesus by remembering well or the stank of forgetfulness in your life, you would probably say the aroma of Jesus. And I would say that's an invitation that the king gives us every single day. Remember well. So it gives off the aroma of the king. Exodus chapter 16, verse 33, we're almost done, says this. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it. Then place it before the Lord to keep for generations to come. Moses said to Aaron, take this manna that God provided and put it so that we will always remember that God is a God who provides. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border, the border of Canaan. For 40 years, for every morning, God showed up except on the Sabbath day. And on the sixth day, he provided a double portion for them to eat on the Sabbath. Every day for 40 years. And as we'll continue to read over the nation of Israel, and still there was complaining and grumbling because they forgot the meal that was on their lips just hour before they started complaining. We have to remember God is enough and we can rest in him. Let me say that again. We have to remember that God is enough and we can rest in him. Jesus has this conversation with some of his followers and I love it. It's in line with this remember the bread, remember well. John chapter six, verse 32 says this. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be 
thirsty. To remember well is to worship well. Here's the invitation for each and every one of us in this place and those watching online. Remember well so that we can live differently, so that we can worship differently, and so we can walk differently. Remember well, your king has not left his throne and he has not forgotten about you. Remember well that God is still at work even in the midst of the desert. See, notice that even though the Israelites were in the desert, God's fingerprints were all over it. And I think sometimes if we just look around and notice that we will still see the fingerprints of God because everybody, he's still moving and he's still working. Let me go ahead and tell you this. Maybe you've forgotten this. God is not up in heaven pacing. No, he's not. You know what he's doing? He's sitting on this throne. Why? Because the work has been done and he is sufficient for the day. Remember well so that we can worship well. If you would, bow your heads for me. In just a moment, our team's going to come out and lead us in a song of remembrance. The song is called Another in the Fire. And I love it because it's just a reminder that no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, what trial we find ourselves in, God is in the midst. He's still moving. He is still working. We just have to remember well. Maybe you find yourself today in a place where maybe you have never tasted of this bread. As Jesus says, I am this bread of life. Maybe you have found yourself in a place that you have never said yes to Jesus. You smelt the aroma of what was cooking. You've heard about it, but you've never tasted of the bread yourself. Maybe today is the day where you take your first taste and see that God is good. Right where you are. Right where you're sitting, if you could say something like this, dear Jesus, I do not understand it all. Nobody does. But the best way I know how I say yes to the perfect life you lived, I say yes to the mission that your father sent you on. I say yes to the fact that you surrendered your life on a cross and three days later you were resurrected from the grave. I say yes, that through your resurrection, you have given me a way that I can overcome sin and death through you. I say yes to the invitation you have given me to dine at your table, to put on the robe of righteousness and the ring of belonging. And I know that because of what you have done, I am now a son or a daughter of the king. If you said something like that to the king, on the authority of God's word, it says you will be saved, not on Nick's opinion, but on the authority of God's word. My prayer for us as we walk forward, that we not be a people that forget to eat and be reminded, that we not be a people that forget so quickly, but may we be a people that are reminded moment by moment and day by day that God is still a God that provides and he is still a God on his throne. And may we never forget, no matter what the circumstance or trial we find ourselves in, God is near, he is close, and he is good. So Jesus, we love you. Jesus, I pray that the words of the song will resonate in our hearts and that we will be a people that remember well. 
And we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen.